First Timothy chapter six. First Timothy chapter six. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say fight. Say it again like you mean it. Fight. I know it's Sunday morning, but you need to shake yourself out of slumber and out of sleep. And if you're not getting a good night's sleep, I know a guy. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Yeah, a little plug for that. <laughs> Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. To which ye are, ye, you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Professed a good profession. Sorry, I said confession. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you are doing and what you continue to do. God, you are so very good to us. Today, this morning, the desire that you have for the church, God, I pray that you would move in such a mighty way. God, that you would step in to the midst of this house. God, that you would move upon the hearts, that you would move upon the minds. God, that you would do the work that you desire to do. God, let there be nothing. Let there be no distraction. Let there be nothing that would stand in your way, that would hinder your work. Captivate every thought. Captivate every mind, every thought of the heart, every intention of the heart. God, we love you. God, we desire you in Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands to him? Come on, why don't you clap your hands to him? You can be seated. The title this morning... We find in our opening text, and we're going to be coming back to this, but simply is, hold on. On September 2nd, 1987, a commuter flight for Eastern Express Airlines left Portland, Maine for Boston, Massachusetts. The pilot and the co-pilot thought they had heard, it was an empty flight, the pilot and the co-pilot thought they had heard a strange sound coming from the back of the plane shortly after takeoff. The pilot, Henry Dempsey, decided to investigate. As he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket and Dempsey was tossed against the rear door. He quickly discovered the source 
of the mysterious noise. The rear door had not been properly latched prior to takeoff, and it suddenly flew open. Henry was instantly sucked out of the jet. The co-pilot, seeing the red light indicating an open door, radioed the nearest airport requesting permission to make an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane and he requested a helicopter search of the area of the ocean. After the plane landed, ground crews made an astonishing discovery. What they found was not only remarkable, but it was also unbelievable. It bordered on the miraculous. They found Henry Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Somehow, after being sucked out of the plane while follow, falling to his death, he had caught the ladder. He held on for 10 whole minutes as the plane flew at 200 miles per hour out to an altitude of 4,000 feet. And then when the plane landed while traveling close to 100 miles per hour, Henry's head came within six inches of being slammed into the ground. It took airport personnel several minutes to pry Henry's fingers loose from the ladder he was hanging on to. He was holding on with everything he had and probably with more strength than he ever knew he had. He was desperate. He was going to do whatever it took to hang on. The winds were against him. They knocked him around, but he held on. When the plane turned, inertia was against him. Centrifugal force threatened to throw him loose. But he held on far beyond the limit of his physical capacity when his strength was used up, when adrenaline was exhausted. Something in his mind simply shut down the ability to let go. And against all odds, he held on the plane somewhere back in the mind of Henry Dempsey understood through his terror and exhaustion, if I hold on, I live. If I let go, I die. So I'm just going to hold on. I'm not going to be real long today, but I believe that the, that kind of tenacity that Paul has in his mind when he tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith and to lay hold on eternal life. Furthermore, I believe Paul's advice to Timothy is exactly what the Spirit is speaking to the church right now. Fight the good fight of faith. We are in the fight of our lives. Hell has risen up to make war against the church. Some thought it was during COVID. 
but that was just a distraction to see how far he could go. Just a trial run. But hell has risen itself up up against you and I. And sometimes we feel like we've been sucked out of the door of the airplane. Sometimes life just tosses and moves and pushes and shoves and sucks you out. But like never before, every arena of society, every arena of our government is arrayed against the church, you look at the woke society, you look at with all those that say there's 92 different genders you look at all the trans and the binary and all the, the ones that want to act like cats and dogs and they're human beings it's just a distraction from hell to try to tear down what God has set up, it is the church and they need the church you need the church. Hell will do whatever it can to keep you from the church. That's why you need to be here Tuesday night for prayer. That's why you need to be here for Wednesday night service. That's why you need to be here for ladies fellowship on Mondays when, it, when it's happening once a month. That's why you need to be here Friday for youth if you're youth or you're junior youth and you, you need to be here on those Fridays that they have junior youth. You need to be here Saturdays when there's fellowship or when there's outreach or when we're cleaning the church or we're setting up for this or that. I need to be at the church on a Sunday morning. I need to be at church on a Sunday night. Anybody listening on podcast, you need to be here on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and a Wednesday. If you're listening and you don't go to this church, you need to be a part of this church. Because on your own, you're isolated. It's a lot easier to rob you of eternal life if you're isolated. You see, this fight will never end. Right now, it may be something. But tomorrow, it'll be something else. And then something else. And then something else. This world will always be a hostile environment for faith. This world will always be the arena for a struggle between the spiritual life that has been born within you and the carnal man that seeks to destroy you and to see you killed and not living for God. This fight will never end. You're never going to graduate from the fight. Faith by its very nature demands a struggle on the part of us believers there will always everybody say always there will always be the enemy contending against you there will always be evidence that confronts you there will always be those individuals driven by sin driven by the enemy to confront you and to buffet you and to put struggles in your path and to run its mouth against you this world 
will always be an atmosphere that is not conducive to faith. But that's the very nature of faith. Faith demands a fight. Faith demands that you ignore what your eyes see. Faith demands that you ignore what human knowledge and human education and human wisdom speaks or sees. Faith reaches for the eternity and it lays hold onto the things eternal that this world will always struggle against that. They can't see what you and I see in the Spirit. They don't experience what you and I experience in the Spirit. They need the church and they need the faith of the church to say, come on, come on. Come on, you can be a part of this. Come on, you need to be a part of this. Come on, you need to bring your family. You need to bring them in the house. Oh, you need to be a Sunday night fellowship. Oh, you need to come, lady, on a, on a fellowship Monday night. You need to come to a men's breakfast. Oh, it's just breakfast. No, it's not. You need to connect yourself to the household of faith. There are only two eternal entities in this world. The first is your soul. You're going to live forever somewhere. The second is the church. The church is the only institution in this world that will survive into eternity. The enemy of your soul understands in this world that will survive in eternity. I'm sorry. This world understands something. If he can cut you off from the church, if he can cut you off from the things of the church, he can claim that eternal soul that you have. If He can separate you, if He can just eliminate the church out of your life, well, I can listen on podcasts or I can go, well, next Sunday morning. No, you need to come every Sunday morning. You need to be in the house every Sunday night. You need to be here every Wednesday night. You need to be at prayer. I can't allow myself to go a day without the church in my life. It's some facet or another. I need the church. He knows that if you separate from the church and not think it's necessary that he can claim your soul. And that's what he's fighting for. He wants to take your soul to hell. Hell wasn't created for you. 
Hell was not created for mankind. You were created to love and to serve and to worship God and spend everlasting life in worship of Him. This is bigger than just the struggle of the life of day in and day out and job and, and no job or food or no food or car broker or car. It's all distraction. It's just a distraction for what really matters. I need to connect myself to the church. I need to connect myself to the eternal. I need to connect myself to the Word of God. This is bigger than a little compromise here and there on things that have to do with holiness and righteousness. It's bigger. This is about your soul. This is about eternity where your soul will find itself. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. This battle is spiritual. And the goal of the fight is eternal life. Make no mistake, it is a fight. The language that Paul uses goes far beyond simply a contest of wills or a friendly wrestling match. He said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He's, he's saying the implication is that you should be straining with everything you have. Every muscle in your body should be engaged. Every nerve ending should be screaming out in exhaustion. Every part of you should be fully and completely committed to the cause of living for God. Because this is more than just a fight for your life. This is a fight for your eternity. We need to get a fresh perspective of this daily battle that we face. This isn't about here and now. This isn't about a few minor liberties lost or gained. This is about eternity. What Paul is saying in Timothy, our opening text, is that the same urgency that gripped Henry Dempsey when he found himself outside the airplane hanging on to the rung of the ladder needs to be evident in the life of the apostolic. You've got to get this this morning. Whatever it takes, you must hold on. 
No matter what life throws at you, you must hold on. No matter how the enemy entices you, you must hold on because you are fighting for eternal life. You have to hold on to eternal life. However, one thing about our opening text is that some of the urgency gets lost in English translation. Paul is making a reference to life and death struggle. But the language is detached when he says lay hold on eternal life. The word he uses is much stronger than that. It has an additive to it in the Greek that intensifies the force of it. You see, it's a strong statement with violent connotations that man matches the admonishment to fight. It isn't a casual grip. It ain't just walking around in life saying, I believe in Jesus. Boy, I just believe in Jesus and I'm going to make it to heaven. Or skipping through life thinking, I, I'm going to heaven. No, there's a connotation behind it of fighting. It ain't just holding on to everlasting life. Young men, come here for a minute. Come here. wasn't sure if he's a young man or not. Oh, you're a lot younger than I am. See? What's that? <laughs> See, when he's just, when we read it, it's just holding on. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Or oh, you don't need the Holy Ghost to live for God. I just got to believe and love Jesus. He died for everyone. You can easily grab it out of my hands. But the connotation is, I'm holding on. And it's a fight. I got a sword up there. I, better, I would grab it, but I don't want to hurt nobody. It's, it's a fight. Come on, fight. Come on, what are, you, what are you doing? Come on. Come on, it's a fight. I guess he didn't want any of it, yeah. <laughs> it's a fight. I'm holding on to it. And there is war that is being raged. When it comes against me, you ain't taking this thing from me. I've been at this a long time, devil. You come at me with all you got. It ain't just some little party that I'm playing. This is a fight for eternal life. And you got to rip this thing out of my hands. It's a death grip. That's what he's saying. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. It means to seize or to take possession of. This is mine. And I don't care what you throw at me, devil. I don't care the, the struggle 
and the hate that is cast in me and the persecution and just the struggles of life, I serve Jesus and I'm connected to the church. And I lay hold of eternal life and you can't take that away from me. You can't strip Holy Ghost sin filling out of me. You can't strip Jesus' name baptism out of me. You can't take out of my life a one that forgave me of my sins and washed him white as snow. It's a language of war. That if they come at me, I'm destroying them, I'm killing them, and I'm not talking about individuals. Because all hell is loose upon you. And it wants to take young people to hell. It wants to take old people to hell. It wants to take anybody in between to hell. And it's going to do everything in its power to distract and to separate and to remove you from the church and from eternal life. He wants to take you to hell so you can spend eternal life in damnation with Him. Hang on. I've got to get a hold of this thing. With everything you have within you. Listen to me this morning. You cannot separate. You can't stay away and survive this war. You can't sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else. He's going to come up behind you. He's going to slit your throat as you're sitting in the stands watching the battle. There's no rules of war against your soul. Brother Heath, you're being mean this morning. No, I care about the soul. Your soul matters to the church. It ain't about the tithe you give or the offering you give. Your soul matters to the church. Gotta get hold of this thing. It's like Henry was holding on to that ladder on that airplane. It was life or death. If he let go, if he fell off, it was a 4,000 foot fall to the ocean. It was death. And Paul is telling Timothy to hold nothing back, to put everything he has into it. Long after he was tossed in the towel and quit, he says, Timothy, you have to hold on. Sir, ma'am, I know all hell has come against you and you're trying to live for God, but hell wants you to throw it in. 
it's a whole lot easier doing this or that. I've never been in a challenge like this. There's a reason that is a challenge. There's a reason that is a struggle. It is a fight for your soul. I need to involve myself in the things of the church. Because what you're hanging on to is eternal life. And I need my brother. I need my sister to poke me, to encourage me, to prod me, to say, come on, we can do this together. I need them to, to pick me up off the floor when life has just beat the snot out of me. I need them to come alongside and say, come on, we can do this together. Come on, we're going to live for God together. Come on, we're going to go in the house and worship tonight. Come on, we're going to preach for the preacher tonight. Come on, we're going to allow the Spirit of God to do what the Spirit of God is. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm going to be the one that leads in worship tonight. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is not a passive thing where you just hang on in some casual way while you're engaged in something else. No! Paul said, the world is attacking your faith. Your circumstances are attacking your faith. Some of your worldly associations are attacking your faith. Some of the, the company you keep is attacking your faith. Some of the things you, you connect yourself on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever is attacking your faith and you can't see it because you are distracted. Some of the things that we allow into our life are attacking your faith. And you don't know until he drives that sword into your side. Paul is telling Timothy, that he needs to realize just how critical the fight really is. Hang on with everything you have within you because this is about more than just faith as a principle. This is about more than just casual Christianity. This is about eternal life with Jesus Christ. This is about an eternal future. Whatever it takes, you must hang on. Be aggressive. Be tenacious. Be proactive. There are some associations that need to end in our lives. There are some things you need to get out of your life. There are some things that have crept in over time. Some things that you have allowed to rise up against your heart. You need to get those things under the blood because they're undermining your faith and you can't afford to lose your grip on eternity. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take the crown. 
goal of your enemy is to rob you of your crown of eternal life. You're apostolic. You've been baptized in Jesus' name. You're living a repentant life. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. You've separated. You've allowed holiness to take grip on your heart inside and out. You are a child of the Most High God. You are wearing a crown right now. And that enemy desires to just come up and take it from you when you don't even realize it and just take it off your head without a fight. He's doing it every single day. Slowly making his way in. Little by little, he's slick. He's sly. A little here, a little there. A little compromise. So he can just walk right in and say, This isn't Paul speaking in Revelation. It's Jesus. He said, I'm coming quickly. But until that day arise, let me warn you. Hold fast to what you have. Don't let anyone rob you of your crown. This ought to provoke something within your spirit right now. A tenacity that says, you know what? I'm hearing what he's speaking. I'm, I'm picking up what he's putting down. I've got to hold on to this thing. And it's just not a lackadaisy thing. But I've got to hold on to it because there is a fight going on around me. And I will not allow it to be taken from me. Don't let anybody rob your crown. Jacob held on to God. When I think about holding on with everything you have, he comes to mind. When he finally returned home from Laban's house, there was a terrifying night where he knew that he would have to confront his brother Esau on the very next day. Esau, who'd been spotted approaching with an army of men, 400 strong, the Bible said that he sent, he, he had this little prayer meeting. And he sent everybody away. And he spent the night alone. Perhaps initially he thought it was Esau. Perhaps he thought it was a total stranger rolling and wrestling around in the dirt, getting sweaty, dirty, getting tired. And Jacob struggled all night long into the early morning. Somewhere along the way, he realized that this was more than just 
a human struggle, a human fight. It was a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. Eventually, the angel commanded Jacob, let me go for the day's breaking. And they had wrestled throughout this long night and the sun was beginning to peak upon the horizon. No doubt it had been long and a grueling night. And the angel was giving Jacob a chance to give up and let go. But Jacob held on. The weariness was telling him, just let go. But he held on. The bruises upon wounds from the fight were screaming, give up and just let go. But he held on. Why? Because somewhere deep in the spirit of Jacob, Jacob understood there's more going on here than just a little wrestling match. Something is about to change in my life. Something is about to break. And if I can hold on, something in his spirit was telling him that if he let go now, he would never receive everything that God intended for him to have. So he declared, I will not let you go except you bless me. Even after the angel touched him so that he would live for the rest of his life, still he held on. Jacob knew that without holding on until the blessing came, the entire wrestling match would have been for nothing. His life was going to be defined by that night. If he let go now, he would just carry the scar of the lip of his only remembrance of the fight. Listen to me real quickly. We're almost done. There are going to be some scars. There are going to be some fallout in the fight. There's going to be some lasting ramifications. There's going to be some separations that are going to happen in your life if you just hang on. There's going to be some changes that will take place if you hang on. There'll be some things that will never be the same if you hang on. But Jacob was determined to get more out of this fight than just a limp that he would carry the rest of his life. He was determined that if he was going to limp into the future, it was going to be the future that was blessed by God. He cried out, Bless me! He had that same tenacity of spirit that gripped that gentleman we talked about in the beginning, Henry. If I hold on, I live. If I let go, I die. And God held on to Jacob. You often hear in preaching that Jacob is holding on to God. But God was holding on to Jacob. God could have ended that wrestling match any time he wanted to. But he was determined to hold on to Jacob as Jacob was willing to hold on to him. This is what I feel like the Spirit is saying to us this morning. You've got to keep holding on in the fight. 
God is the master of the wind, the maker of the storm, and He is with you in the middle of whatever crisis, whatever struggle, whatever situation, whatever circumstance that comes your way. And this is the promise. As long as you're determined to hold on to Him, He's going to hold on to you. Jacob couldn't win that wrestling match by himself. God has to hold on to him even as he's holding on to God in the middle of everything that is going on around us. If you will hang on with everything you have, what you have will be enough because you've got God fighting with you. He's the one holding on. You're the one that's clinging to in the midst of the tempest and the turmoil of life. And He's holding on to you. And as I close, John chapter 10. As we stay. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And I give them, verse 28, I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. This fight is not going to win. Whether you distract yourself with the things of the world, you serve a loving God. No matter where you're at in life, whether you're living for God or you're living for the world, He still loves you. He still desires you. He still wants the best for you. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't despise you. He don't like the actions of your life. He, he hates sin. But this daily struggle of living for God is just going to get more intense with each passing day. I need you to understand you can do this. And it's not by yourself church. That's why I have to connect myself on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, Friday, a Sunday, Mondays, Thursdays, Tuesdays. I have to be connected in some way or another because the struggle doesn't stop. Navy SEALs have a motto. The only easy day 
was yesterday. Point is simple. It doesn't ever get any easier. Every day is more difficult than the last day. If it's true about being an elite warrior, I want to tell you something. It's also true about living for God. I'm not trying to discourage anybody, but it gets harder. The fight gains intensity. The enemy is going to test you every way he can because living for God and being part of the church is worth something. If it costs a fight, then I want it. It's better than silver or gold or the riches of the world. It's everlasting life. And he's not going to let up because he understands the prize is your soul. Either he's going to lay claim to it and drag you down to eternal damnation or you're going to cling to the crown of eternal life and walk in to heavenly places one of these days. That devil don't quit fighting. You're going to automatically win. But here's the other side. If you never quit fighting, then you're never going to lose. yourself in an altar you need to grab a hold of him and say God I need you to forgive me I need you to forgive me I need you to forgive me you got to lay hold on to this God I want eternal life I need it in my life God I got to connect to this because it's real and everything else is false it's fake and it's just distraction trying to take you out of my life Would you do that this morning? Would you find an altar and say, God, 